0: Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. This morning, we're talking to Major Ethan Frizzell, the Nashville Area Commander with the Salvation Army. Welcome. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, Anna Marie, it's always a joy to be with you, and thank you for having us again.
0: So before we get started, uh, we're going to just get caught up. What's going on with
1: you? Sure. So my wife and I are celebrating our 25th year. As Salvation Army officers, we are also celebrating our 25th year of marriage. And we're celebrating my son's second marriage Wow! because his first one was COVID. So he's marrying the same woman just for the second time, trying to invite some people. Oh. right? Because last time everyone had to turn around on the way here because they got married in March oh my right God. after everything was shut down. So we're about to have our second wedding for my son. And my daughter is about to give birth to our granddaughter. So it'll be our first granddaughter. I know what you're thinking. I don't look old enough. But...
0: <laughs> that's uh, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> well, that's good. So there are things to celebrate in time of COVID.
1: Yeah, there's so much to celebrate around the Salvation Army. We're thankful for so many people who have volunteered. Our team members who've served uh, so diligently. Donors have really stepped up for their neighbors. I think that. In a time of fear in Tennessee, we can celebrate that this is a community where people step up to help those around them. Uh, We've been able to do amazing food services and help a uh, number of people move into housing. So it's really been a tremendous year of service.
0: So what do you mean you stepped up the food service? Because I I don't know that some people even know that you do that with the Salvation Army.
1: So typically the Salvation Army pre-tornadoes was not serving daily downtown meals, But when the tornadoes hit, we realized that there was a lot of people who no longer could use churches to serve or other groups to serve. And so the Salvation Army started serving meals daily downtown. Well, of course, Nashville went directly from the tornadoes to the COVID and pandemic response, where a lot of people had to stay home that would normally serve those who are living outside. So the Salvation Army has been serving meals every day since the tornado uh, to those who are living outside about 400 meals a day. Wow! And as part of that process, the beautiful thing is, is our team has been able to build transformational relationships with individuals and now we're helping people move into housing at a unprecedented pace uh, moved in about 130 individuals into housing that were living outside now living inside and seven dogs since thanksgiving uh, so we're very thankful for the opportunity to be downtown and help people change their lives during this time of pandemic
0: so do you think um, major frizzel that Being in more constant contact with people who are living outside, as you said, being in more constant contact and building those relationships is part of what spurred them getting into housing is because you were able to work more closely with them and into their lives more deeply?
1: we know that relationships are or, are absolutely transformative. And part of that relationship is making sure that you're framing it right. So in that relationship, when we engage people, we do not engage people to help them live under the bridge longer or behind Gersh House longer or Panhandle longer. We engage people with an expectation that says, what are your quality of life goals and how can we help you achieve them? And in that process, because of the pandemic, the CARES Act resources, those who have had a goal to move into housing, we can help. I love seeing the pictures of people who've uh, been living uh, downtown on the streets for more than 20 years Mm -hmm. that now are living in a small unit and and they look refreshed and they're sleeping. And what the Salvation Army has known from the very, very beginning of the organizational history is when you give someone a warm meal in a comfortable bed, then all of a sudden they drink less. All of a sudden, they may use less drugs. All of a sudden, they're more likely to get the mental health care that maybe they had stopped getting and stopping uh, their Mm self-medication. So it's through those relationships and a process that helps people experience their aspirations uh, in a higher quality of life.
0: Now, you talked about finding places for people to live. That seems to be a big issue right here in Nashville at this time. A lot of people are having trouble because the rent is rising the mortgage payment prices are going up how are you finding places for people to live
1: the challenge of affordable housing is true for every urban area in the u.s there is no city in the u.s that has enough housing but what i'm encouraged by is all around nashville we see these great new complexes of apartments and what they do is they relieve pressure off the lower level housing that's available so we've seen some hotels that have converted into SROs, and single room occupancy, because the hotel market's softer. Well, that's so, smart, right? So they they use those suites and they say, okay, we'll make we'll put a lease on the suite. So that's been a tool. Some of the affordable housing that is has been available uh, with the softer market of restaurants and tourism. Some people mm-hmm. who would normally be moving to Nashville hasn't, so they have had some availability, and so. We're able to connect with those with the landlords, and we invite more landlords to give us a call uh, in order to make sure that their units are full. So we negotiate five or ten or twenty units uh, in different areas around the city and help people move in.
0: Transportation always seems to be an issue with people who had been living outside. Do they have to change their whole lives? Because I know that i have known some people who were experiencing homelessness and their whole world was within a few city blocks radius they did they knew everybody within that few city blocks because that's what they could walk so what if they get housing in an area that they had not been living for the past 5 or 10 years
1: yeah that's a great point it's almost like we fed you questions but we didn't feed you that <laughs> one right so we had that issue about 18 months ago is we were able to move people out towards Lebanon or out towards Clarksville and people who have been living downtown didn't want to move to Lebanon or Clarksville mm-hmm. nothing wrong with any of those neighborhoods however uh, what we've been able to do is one is by the Salvation Army having four campuses and us securing housing around those campuses, we can say, what area of town do you want to live in? And then the other thing that we did this year, very excited about, is we negotiated with Uber that matched our investment in rides so we can actually give Uber credits for people to stay connected to their lives. Wow. Because, you know, it's too much to ask people to leave their friends and their family and their work because many of them work. Uh, without connections. And so Uber rides allow those connections. We can do those through Uber vouchers and or bus passes. Mm-hmm. The bus does work when you know the pattern, but learning the pattern sometimes takes time. And that's where Uber rides has been very good. So Uber made a very generous donation uh, to make that happen. And we're very pleased this year that some of those sources uh, and resources can be found on a new app that we created. Uh, the app is called LifeNav l-i-f-n-a-v we invite everyone who has an interest uh, in the homeless service sector or in the poverty sector to download it but it gives a list of all the resources in the city it has a schedule of events so that people can see what they can go to Uh, and it also has an opportunity to schedule your own meeting for outreach workers And through that, we can actually give Uber credits so that people can make their meetings. So one of the things that we've worked so hard on this year is to make sure that we normalize the services to our neighbors who may have been displaced. Mm -hmm. So instead of sending them to the homeless place for the homeless service Mm -hmm. and the homeless meal, we say, well, maybe we can meet you at the coffee shop and review your goals. And that kind of approach has just increased the number of people willing to take the journey with us to their new home and to their goals.
0: Wow, I almost got teary-eyed there because that is is such a major switch in thought processes.
1: It is. One of the things that we recognize is that the term homeless is the most biased term in the country. It naturally causes a response of uh, contempt within most people. And so by just changing the language and reframing it to recognize that these are all our neighbors, as you said, they've lived here, many of them have lived here much longer than I have, it brings them into community and bringing them back into the center of community allows the restoration process to begin. And through that relationship and the restoration process, we would believe also by the grace of God, then people are restored even then onto themselves. And that takes a few months, Mm -hmm. but after they are restored upon themselves, then it's much easier to secure that job and secure that next housing uh, that they, that they seek. And it's a wonderful process to see. It's, it's one of the joys of our work.
0: In case you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus, and our guest today is Major Ethan Frizzell, the Nashville Area Commander with the Salvation Army. You said restored unto themselves. What what does that look like?
1: One of the things we know about those who end up living on the street is first it's usually a breakdown of family. Then it's a breakdown of community. Then it's a breakdown of self. Typically when we look at individuals, we want to blame them first. But what we recognize is usually it's a broken home first, then a broken support system, then they tend to break down themselves, whether it's health, mental health, those things, that's how that process works. But when people have hope restored, and when you invest in that hope with some resources like stable meals and stable housing— then they start believing once again in for themselves. They restore themselves, a small community network, and then the beauty is a is restoration of family. If I may, for example, we had a lady who had been living in town uh, for too long, more than 10 years. Uh, we knew it was a mental health case. The police department, quality of life team, which is new in Nashville for the last year, doing an amazing job reaching out worked with our outreach workers, worked with mental health, and she has now been able to go in to get mental health treatment. Our team worked diligently to, to dig through her past. She, she was a professional in Florida with a degree, but her mental health failed. Her family had not heard from her for 12 years and did not know if she was alive or not. Wow. So all of a sudden now they are involved with her once again, uh, not because anyone did anything wrong. Yeah. But because as humans, we're fragile and sometimes wrong things happen to us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in that, uh, we get lost even unto ourselves. So that's what it looks like in that restoration. And so, you know, Nashville, the Nashville partnership with the Homeless Impact Division and several agencies have just worked together to have a, a evidence-based best practice approach to moving people into housing. And what's going to happen is is that's going to have a positive effect for years to come because you're going to reduce those who've been suffering for years. And our new goal that we have to focus on as a city is we know every summer people will be coming from the north, headed towards the south, or to Nashville. Mm -hmm. They'll want to hang out on Broadway with the tourists. They'll want to panhandle. They'll want to ask for money. And we want to help them not become the future men or women who may be on a park bench for 10 years or living under a bridge by saying to them quickly here's our community expectations you're welcome in nashville however we have some community expectations like no bathing in the pools of the apartment buildings downtown if you don't live there Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems that our downtown residents would prefer that not to happen (laughs) so how do we serve appropriately that reflects the quality of compassion in the community into the lives of those that we serve. And those things can happen with dialogues. And I'm very pleased, again, to to recognize the central precinct, who's dedicated a whole team of officers that listens to both the citizens who are housed and the citizens who are not housed in order to work with outreach teams, the Homeless Impact Division, and other entities to help people to get housed more quickly. But that's only one element from the pandemic. We could also talk about how we've used online telehelp.org yeah. to I would, help people stay housed.
0: I would like to. I did not realize that we would be speaking so much on that one topic. I didn't realize I'd get such an update on what had been going on, but that those are drastic changes, Major Frazelle. I mean, those are drastic, and, and I'm so pleased to be able to... Help bring this information to the public to let them know what Salvation Army has been doing.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Nashville is not the same city in this space as we were 18 months ago. Wow. Uh, The pandemic funding and the decisions of policymakers and service providers to work together with some consulting that's been provided uh, to the city. Uh, We are not the same city we were. Uh, The challenge will be to get our citizens to behave differently, too, Mm -hmm. because there are paths for people to get housing, and we encourage people to participate that.
0: Before we move into the telehealth, let me ask you something. This is just a a personal opinion kind of thing I'm asking you, because I feel like I have noticed this in a lot of different businesses. It seems like with the pandemic, so many routes were closed to us. We can't do this anymore. We can't do that any longer. It seems like... A lot of us fine-tuned what we did, and we focused, we laser-focused in on a couple of things. And in many cases, we've done them a lot better. It's true.
1: There's, there's many things. It's, it's reaching out to our neighbors. For example, we've started just this spring for a few weeks, A Light in the Darkness, what we know is, is that there's many people who are stuck at home. There, it might be fear of COVID. It might be very legitimate health concerns with COVID, mm-hmm. but they're stuck at home. And we know that deaths of despair upon the, are on the rise, that people need just a kind word mm-hmm. and a word of hope. So thankfully, we've partnered with Second Harvest Food Bank, Mm -hmm. sponsored by Kroger and Coca-Cola, to provide meals every Tuesday. So if you know someone who needs a meal and needs something, maybe you love them, but you can't afford to feed them. You can come by a Salvation Army campus and bring it to 100 friends just to say, you know what, there is hope and there is light. And that's a good example of that because that extends Kroger's Zero Hunger, Zero Waste efforts to make sure that everyone has food with Second Harvest Food Bank to make sure that we reach as far as we can into the community to provide the hope, to provide food, to provide comfort. Uh, And to provide care. And that is a laser focus of saying we didn't have to do different things, but we could do it together.
0: So I spoke recently with someone from Second Harvest, and that's what they were saying is that I couldn't stop by Second Harvest and pick up a bunch of food boxes and take it to people I know who need food boxes. But we could come by the Salvation Army and get food boxes and take it to people we know who need it.
1: Yes, that's true. And these meals I'm talking about are actually hot meals. Oh, they're actually hot cooked meals. Okay. Because, you know, they, years ago, before Uber was delivering food, right, it, that maybe churches would would serve those mm-hmm. who were shut in and hurting. Yeah. But we've all gotten so used to Uber delivering or whatnot. But what if you can't afford to Uber deliver? Mm-hmm. And I've ordered from Uber before. My driver never wants to sit and talk with me for <laughs> a moment.
0: As hard as you try. As hard as I try, right? (laughs) He never wants to just sit and visit. And that's what some people need, even more than the food. The
1: food is just an entry to say, you know what, you're safe and you're secure. What we know about food, and recent reports have just come out relating uh, this pandemic to Hurricane Katrina, is what we know is, is that the pandemic has stolen people's feeling of safety. But there's just something about someone coming to your home and saying, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And here's a little food that restores that feeling of safety mm-hmm. and security. And as we said before about people being restored to themselves, resourcing hope we know has a benefit not only to the individual, but actually to the community as a whole. Yeah. Because who gets the most out of that? You as a neighbor caring for your neighbors mm-hmm. or your neighbor getting a meal? Mm-hmm. The meal's important. But what we know is, is it says there's security through the partnerships around Nashville. Mm -hmm. You'll be okay.
0: And what did you call it? A transformational relationship.
1: Transformational relationship. I love that. It's we know uh, both from economics and social science. We actually know that it's well proven that if you can restore hope. That what you invest in hope actually has a multiple effect throughout the community. Mm-hmm. It's almost like today. I know that if I can get you to smile, your neighbors look more likely to smile by the end of the day.
0: Right. Nice. I like that. Because
1: it's emotional contagion. Yeah. But joy and peace... Is like that too, and we just all experience that together, as you mentioned through the pandemic. So when you talk about laser focus, one of the things that we're focused on is making sure that we are resourcing hope, that we are speaking with joy, that we are speaking of strength and peace, so that those we serve, we can help them get restored unto themselves and be ready for for uh, the refreshment of Nashville as the dogwoods are ready to bloom and we're all ready to go outside. Yeah, is to say we have this together, Nashville, and we are tremendous together. Middle Tennessee is a great place to live and serve, and there's so much love here serving one another.
0: We're talking today with Major Ethan Frizzell, the Nashville Area Commander with the Salvation Army. So what were you saying about tele... So after
1: the tornado, when we knew that people weren't going to be able to come in for service, we set up telehelp.org. Telehelp. And we actually engaged Salvation Army ministers from around the Southeast that did our case management and have been able to invest more than a million dollars into helping people pay their rent, utilities, and stay housed. Wow. All online. So imagine you being at home, you've said to us you need assistance, Uh, you have a retired minister that calls you up and and asks you about your information, you're able to take a picture of that information on your phone, send it in, someone else prints it, and then your assistance is given. We did that in partnership with the United Way, which Mm -hmm. is another laser-focused partnership to do that. And now the resources are coming through the state, so people can get assistance from the the state in order to pay their rent. Mm -hmm. But we know that after a pandemic, after a major crisis, the first responders are always the local responders. The first responders are always your neighbor. And so United Way just did a tremendous job organizing several agencies to get a great deal of funds so that people didn't have to worry about losing their homes. And we did that through Telehelp.org.
0: And people can still check that out and get help if they need it.
1: They can. And I would encourage people is if you're a renter, then go to the state site first, because there's still a moratorium on evictions, so you can still fight evictions. You just have to do it early enough.
0: What is the state site? You
1: you would go to the Department of Social Services for Tennessee, and there's information on there how to do that. I apologize. I don't have further details with me on that. And then, from that, there's rental assistance, and then the Salvation Army right now has actually assistance for mortgages. Now, being in Nashville, let me tell you a Nashville story, for example, okay. is there is a local artist that he had team members that are not touring with him that were going to lose their home, and so we were able to pay the mortgage for the team members so they don't lose their home. Mm-hmm. And that artists in return, not as a quid pro quo, but just as a matter of of community love, adopted some of the children on our angel tree and were very generous to them. And I tell you, it was tears and tears and tears (laughs) right, from those who were able to give to those who were receiving to those uh, who were celebrating Christmas. But that's the beauty of community after an event like this is focusing on our strength is when we work together. We struggle together and we communicate transparently what our quality of life goals are so that we can serve one another.
0: So what else has the Salvation Army been doing and how can we maybe get involved?
1: So one of the things that we've been focusing on a great deal is our learning pods and resource hubs. And we still have room for listeners who may struggle We know that a lot of parents can't afford the high-speed internet that it may take for their children to be at school or may need a place for their kids not to be in their house for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. So we opened up all four campuses of the Salvation Army for learning pods and resource hubs. You can bring your kids in. If you live downtown, we have a place over on Stockdale just off of Dickerson Pike. There's a gym and classrooms and areas set up with food and drinks and snacks so you can bring your kids in. Think of it like remote working spaces Mm -hmm. except for young people yeah right so that if you're a parent with a child who just doesn't want to sit at home you can bring them let them run around the gym then do some homework and then run around the gym again and do some homework yeah but we found that that's been very beneficial for a lot of parents i love testimonies when i hear of children that had not even checked into their their school and we're going to fail coming into the learning pod and now checking in every day, finishing their schoolwork. And so there's a lot of opportunity there for people, whether they want to come and just be a host at the learning pods, or they have people that they know uh, children just are not learning well at home, mm-hmm. a place to learn. And we'll be adopting that this summer, even as the Metro's looking at how they're, they're offering summer school and how can we best use the salvation army services to focus on what now is referred to as COVID learning loss. And how do we help children Mm. recover from that? So a couple of things that are cool is this summer for the first time, our camp, uh, camp paradise weekly has opportunities. If you're a parent who needs some activity items, uh, camp paradise weekly will actually deliver some food and a camp box to your home every week. Wow. We did hundreds of them last summer. It's a way to make sure that homes are food stable and that children have learning activities, again, dealing with the COVID learning loss. And this summer, the Camp Paradise, which is a sleepaway camp, will focus on reading, uh, even as the state is with Reading 360, is making sure that we have a focus on books in all of our programs, on phonics, and helping children deal with the learning loss. We had a volunteer recently serve on our food truck on an afternoon. And as they came up from service to those who are living in tents, they marveled at how young some of the people are who live in tents along the river in Nashville. And what we know is, is if we don't aggressively seek to help our impoverished children catch up in school, then there's a higher likelihood that they will not be achieving in five to 10 years. And so how do we interrupt that today so that they might not be suffering tomorrow?
0: What do you do about uh, social distancing and COVID protocols when the kids are getting together in the resource hubs and the learning pods?
1: Right. So the good thing is, is the Salvation Army in our spaces, all of the desks are six feet apart. We have multiple rooms. We have gym. We have fields. And so what they do is some parents will schedule when their kids come in. So we Mm -hmm. know what that number is. And then we know how much distance we have. But as we know, it's somewhat controversial around the country. How much space does a a child need? Uh, What we do know is that sometimes the parents need some too just to detox the house from stress and let their kids move. So thankfully, our spaces are all church buildings or gyms. Uh, It allows enough space to both socially distance and to make sure that we are maintaining the relationship first of the family then the community and and of course the child themselves so that they can continue to function well.
0: Are you finding that the one of the things that the Salvation Army is able to do is help reduce stress for parents with this extra help do you find are you finding results from that?
1: It's been yes the the that has been a key goal from us from the beginning is a lot of our programs are focused on increasing quality of life over time. Yes. Uh, However, during the pandemic, we had to focus on protecting quality of life over time because some people who had signed up previously to say, hey, I want to change my life. Now, all of a sudden, we're struggling with their rent or food. And what we know is, is that being in fear of food loss or shelter loss is the equivalent of being awake for 24 hours. And so the stress upon parents is huge. And so we make extraordinary efforts to reduce the stress of parents, like delivering food every week during the summer. Yeah. And we do it in a way that engages a relationship. So we we don't do it in a way that, I'm sorry, you're poor. Here's some poor people food. Oh, but sometimes things can feel like that. Sure. Instead, where we do it in a language of camp is, thank you for allowing us to participate in your your summer and bringing camp to you every week. And yeah. with camp comes some some food, and so we enjoy doing that because then the children don't have to experience uh, poverty bias.
0: What is poverty bias?
1: Poverty bias is when people serve those who are impoverished with a language that makes them feel a less than or mm-hmm. a process that makes them feel less than. Yeah. Sometimes poverty bias can make it so that, and you can hear it in people's language, right? Is I went out and served the homeless. Yeah. Right. Which is a, is a classist statement. Yeah. Is it says, Hey, I had more. I served those with less Yeah. or the less fortunate. Like it's all based on luck. Whoa. But does right. that, right? right. I serve the less fortunate, right? Yeah. They're less lucky than I am. yeah. And I understand that those can come from good intention. Sure. But if you're on the other side of that conversation and people are talking about you being less than, mm-hmm. then any less than language is an extension of poverty bias. But if we recognize that not every neighborhood in Nashville uh, allows the same progression for children, then we say, no, I'm out investing in futures. I love investing in futures. Mm-hmm. I love resourcing hope. I love strengthening people's resolve to achieve their goals. So the change in language significantly affects those that we serve. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, we see uh, we see greater effects. So we see, you know, a meal might be a meal, but a meal could be discouraging. Or a meal might come with a conversation that says, how would you like to increase your quality of life and how can we help? Yeah. And it's amazing that the same meal can be used for power and good or the meal actually can be used to be disparaging. You know, one thing that's uh, that's close to our hearts and we're looking at very much right now is the concern that all over the U.S. and unfortunately also in Tennessee are deaths of despair.
0: What did you call it? Deaths
1: of despair is people who are taking their own lives, people who are drinking themselves to death. And opioid overdoses. Yeah. It's a lack of happiness. It's a lack of joy. Sometimes it's a mental health issue, but often it's a very slow path to a miserable place. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to make sure that as we're helping those who may suffer from such things, that we're not speaking into despair. Mm -hmm. We're not extending despair, but instead we're extending hope Mm -hmm. and joy and peace and love. And it's very intentional. We don't always get it right, but we review everything we do to make sure that it is a language that says we want to have transformational relationships with self, God, others, and all creation, that we can bring forth a community of hope. And we know that it works not only for the individual, but in the end, it works for the community as a whole.
0: Major Ethan Frizzell, Nashville Area Commander with the Salvation Army. Thank you for joining
1: us today. Always a privilege. Thank you so much for what you do throughout the community.
0: We'll put all the information, all the links on our Focus Facebook page. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.